fellowship with God. Let's turn to 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled, of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. The purpose of the Christian is to know God. If I ask you today, do you know God? How will you answer? That's our purpose. That's our witness. We are here to proclaim that we know God, we know how to get to God, and it is our responsibility to know God. How is it that you come to know anyone? You need to, to talk to that person. You need to know where that person comes from, what that person is doing, and what their dreams, their wishes, what did they want to do? That is called fellowship. Do you know where God was, what he is, or who he is, and where and what he's planning to do in the future. That is the process of fellowship that we should have with God. Are you interested? Are you interested to have fellowship with God? Are you interested in knowing God? If you're not, then I would ask you this. Do you even believe in God? Because if you say and you claim that you believe in Jesus Christ, God's only son, then wouldn't you want to have and desire and pursue fellowship with him? Wouldn't you want to have a relationship with God? Because that's what it means to be a Christian, is that we know God, we know who He is, we know His will, and we tell other people about God. That's what it means to have fellowship with God. Now the word fellowship means this, to communicate and to have communion with. To have contribution to a relationship and to participate in a relationship. That's what it means to have fellowship. To have partnership, God treats us as his friend. And to have a social intercourse, meaning to have dialogue with God. God is holy, he is eternal, and he is invisible. To have fellowship with God, we must learn how to approach God because we don't know how. Because we can't know. Because we are raised, we're born and raised in this world where everything is visible and we can figure out things that are visible but things that are invisible and eternal and holy we have no idea we don't know how to deal with these things and so we need to be taught in these matters it boggles my mind you think that christian think that they can figure god out on their own somehow they don't have to go to church somehow they don't have to read the bible somehow they don't have to pray they just think that they believe and somehow they have fellowship with god to some people who claim to be Christian, they said, yeah, I got this whole faith thing figured out. How? God is completely different than who we are. We need to be taught about God, of God. We need to have a relationship with God. Otherwise, there is no way for you and I to know God without being taught. I don't want to know quantum physics. Somebody needs to teach me because I can't observe these things that are so small. That's beyond my ability to see. For me to know something, if I'm interested at all, I need to learn. I need to find someone who is able to teach me and to transfer the knowledge. And I have to be willing to learn. Now God is all these things and more. God is invisible. God is eternal. And we cannot know God unless we learn 
someone teach us about God. And if you don't know God, then you don't have fellowship with God. If you don't have fellowship with God, then God does not know you. I will profess, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. The question that we all need to make sure that we can answer is, does God know us? You cannot have acquaintances with God. Either you are a friend of God or you are his enemy. You cannot have passing knowledge of God and say that's good enough because if you have passing knowledge of God and think that, that that's good enough, then you came into the wrong place. Because in this place, I will tell you that's not good enough. That's not what the Bible teaches. And the Bible teaches that you need to know God. You need to know God in a deeper way than you have before. And if you don't, then on that day, when you stand before the Son of Man, and He said, depart from me, I never knew you. I don't have acquaintances. I only have people who know me or who are against me. So we must learn to enter into this covenant relationship with God. When I say covenant, I mean there's something that's written, and we agree on that thing that was written. And that what was written was Jesus Christ. The Word of God was written. And to know Christ is to have relationship with God because no one comes to the Father except through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's called the Word of God because fellowship involves two modes. One, we communicate by talking to each other and we communicate by reading each other's writing. And He's both of those things. He is the spoken Word of God and He is the written Word of God. We need to know both of those things. So how can man approach God whom he can't see and hear and have fellowship with God? How? And even if man can approach God, what is the right way to approach God? Have you ever wonder if you were called to meet some dignitary, would you just show up? Or do you have to do some research and figure out what is the right way for me to approach this person? Let's say you are invited to meet the king of a nation. How would you go about getting ready to enter into that presence. Even in your human terms, we need to be aware of the right way to communicate and to have fellowship with people. Because in certain part of the world, the left hand is considered unclean. So when you touch people with the left hand or you eat with your left hand, people will, in those parts of the country, will stand back and say, this person is vile. How do you approach God? Does God just accept you as the way you are? Like those songs that we sing, come just as you are. But then you need to put on the right cloak, right? That man that was invited into the king's company and he didn't wear proper clothing, what happened to him? In the past, God used prophets. He used his people, he spoke to the prophets and the prophets told the people, cleanse yourself. Make sure you prepare yourself tomorrow, come to the mountain, don't touch anything. He told Moses to arrange the tabernacle in a certain way and the priest has to make certain preparation before he can enter into the place where they meet God. But today in the New Testament, how does he speak and how does he instruct us the way in which we can come and have fellowship with God? John chapter 1 verse 18, no man has seen God at any time, only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father he had declared him. God has chosen in the past to declare himself to us, but in the New Testament, 
He declared himself through the Lord Jesus Christ. No human prophet, the man, the Lord Jesus Christ, declared the Father to us. So what Jesus said is extremely important that we keep letter, the letter of everything that he said. God's plan of salvation was not fulfilled by the prophets, but God's plan of salvation was fulfilled by the Lord Jesus Christ. No one, not even the prophets, has seen God at any time. But the Lord Jesus Christ, he was with God. He saw God. He was there in the beginning. So listen to him. Listen to his teaching and be transformed by the things that he taught us. This is how we can have the right worship and the right fellowship with God. You cannot just come to God and say, I will worship God the way I want to. God will not accept your worship. Very early on in the human history, two brothers, Cain and Abel, they both gave God offerings, but God rejected one offering and he accepted another offering. Why? Because there is a way, there's a method, there is a, an ordinance in which we should come and even offer our worship to God. God does not just take anything we give him. God is holy. So we need to learn how to come to God, how to worship God. And to learn how to worship God, we need to learn his teaching, his word, and that is called doctrine. Right worship, right belief, there's a term for that, and that's called orthodoxy. Orthodoxy seems to be a bad word today, but it isn't. What it means is right worship and right belief. So we need to learn what is orthodox, what is the right belief, and what is the right worship. Jesus Christ has seen the Father, taught us how to approach the Father, and we need to learn his word. When we know his word, we know how to approach the Father, and God will accept our offering. Otherwise, just like Cain, he will reject our offering. So how do we come to God? How do we have fellowship with God? We need to have someone who had known God come and teach us about God. If I have never seen God before and I teach you about God, you should not believe me. But why would you believe me? Revelation 1.5 And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth. At the beginning was the word. Jesus Christ was with God. He saw and has been with the Father. There was no time that Jesus Christ did not see the Father. So man can believe in the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ was with God. When he said, before Abraham was, I am. He used the term I am, meaning he was God. He was there with God, meaning he was God. Because who is there besides God? There's only one God. So if Jesus Christ says, I was there with God, meaning he was God, and therefore they took up stones and tried to stone him because that would be blasphemy if someone declared themselves to be God. So we can believe in the witness of Jesus Christ because he was God and he is the faithful witness. But here, the word said, the first begotten of the dead, meaning he is not the only, but he is the first. He is the first witness and then following him are witnesses throughout the millennia come to us today, to me and you. What we are trying to do here is to continue this teaching, this doctrine, this orthodox teaching of right worship and right belief. From the time of Jesus, 
He had 12 disciples, and his disciples were there. What were they doing? They listened to him. They talked with him. They have fellowship with Jesus Christ in the flesh. Jesus ate with his disciples. He laughed with them. He cried with them. He even sung hymns and songs with them. He ate with them. He slept in their boat. He walked with them. These disciples had first-hand accounts of their fellowship with the Son of God. John and James and Peter, they were taken up into the mountain and they saw Jesus Christ transfigured. But they see, they saw God. They saw the future of mankind. They saw the future, meaning the future of us, what we will become. They saw it with their own eyes. They witnessed the transformation, the transfiguring of the Son of God. They were there with Jesus Christ. They had a relationship with Him. And from the time of Jesus Christ's ascension, no one was able to see Jesus Christ. But He did not leave us without a witness. He left us a witness. And you say, but they're human, right? How can we believe human? They, can, they are flawed. Look, you read the synoptic gospel and there are conflicting accounts. So how can we believe human? He did not leave us with one witness. He left us with many witnesses. And even though each of them don't have a full account, but their account of the Lord Jesus Christ corroborates. They validate each other. But the Lord Jesus Christ also left us with a true witness. You know who that was? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is that faithful witness that the Lord Jesus Christ left with us. Now, we don't own the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks through the community of believers. And therefore, we can believe in the testimony of the witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. Orthodoxy, what is that? It is the right belief and it's right worship. There's, there is a way in which we need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that way is through a correct interpretation of the Word of God. The church fathers, even though they had many oral traditions, they decided that it was in the best interest of the church to take the writings and to put them together and form the New Testament. The New Testament, coupled with the Old Testament, became the accepted canon, meaning this is the document that all believers should refer to when we talk about God. How do you read the Bible? You need to be taught how to read the Bible. And the way you read the Bible correctly, that is what called orthodox. The right belief. We might have the Bible and someone might say, yeah, I have the Bible, I can read it for myself. You can read the word for yourself, but to read the Bible correctly, you need to have the right teaching. Everything that is in here was agreed upon by the church fathers. All the churches, all the local churches got together in the council and decided this is everything that we should base our faith on. So if you're not interpreting, if you're not reading the Bible and you're reading some supplemental material, you're not reading what the transmission of the, the disciples transmitted to us. If you're not interpreting this word based on the way they taught you, meaning through the church father doctrine, then you are in the territory called heretical. You're called a heretic. What they do with heretics? We don't burn them. We excommunicate. 
we no longer have communion with heretics. We need to read the Bible correctly, and we need to interpret the Bible correctly, and that is called right doctrine. And how do we do that? We do that by referring to what has been taught by the church father and handed down to us. It is called tradition. From the disciples, through the way, through the church fathers, to us, everything was handed down, and the word tradition means handed down. Everything that we know, everything, the foundation of everything that you learn comes from tradition. How do you do arithmetic? Tradition. How do you do physics? Tradition. You might discover new things, but everything that you learn has to be based and founded on a, a principle that has been done before. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It is of fundamental importance that the right doctrine and the right teaching was central to the early church. And they continue talking about the disciples steadfastly, meaning with intensity, in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayer. There are four things mentioned here. The first is doctrine. We cannot have fellowship with each other if we don't agree. We can't have relationship if we don't agree. We need to come to an agreement before there is fellowship. So in the Christian church, we all agree what is the right worship and what is the right belief, and that's centered around the Bible and the apostles' doctrine. If we don't believe in that, we don't agree on that, then we are in the wrong place. We're in the wrong fellowship. To have the right fellowship, we need to have the right doctrine. And that is first and foremost, doctrine and then fellowship, and then breaking of bread, and then prayers, because none of those other things mean anything unless we agree on the doctrine. The disciples of Jesus Christ declared what they have seen and what they have heard, and how do we know that witness is true? Because they were there with the Lord Jesus. They saw him with their own eyes, they heard him with their own ears. The declaration of the Lord Jesus Christ was the central message of the gospel. The word evangelion means good news. What do you do with news? You declare it. We, as Christians, the people of the gospel, our primary responsibility is to declare the good news. How do you declare the good news if you're unsure, if you haven't studied, if you're not sure what you're saying is right or wrong? It is your responsibility and mine to learn. And how do we learn? We've been taught by people who have been there with Jesus, and then they have been taught by people who had been there with Jesus, and so on throughout the, the history, it comes down to us. And now, if we are faithful to the tradition, we continue to hand down these traditions, these teachings, these doctrines to the next generation. So if you're not paying attention, if you don't study, if you don't devote your time in the careful examination of the teachings, then you could be sending the wrong message unfaithfully to those who listen to you, thinking that they might be hearing the gospel, but they're not hearing the gospel. They're hearing the doctrines of, the Bible says, the devils. It is incumbent upon you and I to study this and to study this well. Otherwise, we speak lies in the name of God. And the Apostle John says, the word is not in us. How do you receive the word of life? The word of life is the means in which we have fellowship with God. The body of Jesus is the temple where God speaks. Hearing God is how we have fellowship with him. How we have fellowship with God? We hear Jesus Christ's words. Simple terms. If you open your Bible, the words in red in your Bible, or if you have a blue letter Bible, it will be in blue. Those are the actual words that Jesus says. But the whole Bible talks about Jesus Christ. 
When Jesus was with their two friends on the way to Emmaus, he expounded to them the scripture, and in them he said, they were all about me. They're all about Jesus Christ. How do you read the Bible? You read the Bible by knowing that everything that the Bible talks about is about Jesus Christ. When you read the Psalms, they are not about King David. King David is a shadow pointing to the real person who is Jesus Christ. Different than how the Jews read the Bible, isn't it? The Jews read the Bible, the Psalms, and they say, that is King David. Christian read the Bible, we read the Psalms, and we say, that's Jesus Christ. Different tradition. And therefore, it is important that we have a tradition. Which tradition do you belong to? If you don't belong to the Christian tradition, then your reading of the Bible is completely different. It is not about Jesus Christ. If you're not part of the church, then your tradition is different. If you are from a different religion, cult, you read the Bible with a different interpretation and therefore it makes your faith unsound, wrong doctrine, a heretical teaching. The Word of God shows who Jesus was, who Jesus is, and who Jesus will be. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it and bear witness. We have seen it and bear witness. Your responsibility, my responsibility, the people who were before me, their responsibility was to show it. What is it? The word of Jesus Christ. We have a responsibility not just to read this and learn it for ourselves, but we need to learn this and show it. Declare unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. God did not just communicate this to you and say, just keep it for yourself. God communicated his word to us. He taught us his word so that we can declare it and declare it unto you that eternal life which was with the Father. Meaning that eternal life with Jesus Christ, the word, our responsibility is to declare this word of life. How do you witness to people? You don't tell them to believe in God. Let me repeat that. How do you witness to people? You don't tell them to believe in God. The gospel, the synoptic gospel, and especially the gospel of John, does not tell us how to believe in God and does not tell us to believe in God. The gospel is fundamentally a question, not an answer. You don't tell people to believe in God. You ask them the same way that Jesus asked everyone, who do you say I am? It is the question. The gospel is the question. Who do you say that Jesus is? Not who do you hear me say? You see, this is not a question for you and I to answer for someone else. It is the question that each one of us has to answer for ourselves. Who do you say Jesus Christ is? And Jesus asked Peter. Jesus asked Martha. Jesus asked Pilate, the rabbis. Who do you say that I am? You see, the gospel is not interested in telling you. The gospel is asking you, who do you believe? Who do you say Jesus is? Our fellowship with God confirms our proclamation a declaration of who Jesus is. Who do you say that Jesus is? Don't tell your kids that they have to believe in Jesus. Ask them, who do they say that Jesus is? And that is what faith is. If you have no faith, then you cannot declare that God is the Lord Jesus Christ or Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But if you have faith, then you would say with Martha, I believe that thou art the Son of God, the resurrection and the life. 
It is not Jesus Christ who told Martha how to declare. It was Martha. She declared it. Her brother came back to life. And then this is what he said. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he is dead, shall live. And then this is what he said. And he who believes in me, who is not dead, shall never die. Two different kinds of death. There's the mortal, the bodily death, and then the resurrection. And then there's no death after that. Because, of course, we know Lazarus died after he was resurrected. Who do you say Jesus is? That is the question that you need to ask. There are three ways in which we can learn how to have fellowship with God. The apostle used these three methods. First John chapter 1, verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Hearing, seeing, and touching. Those are human, natural, inborn senses that we have. There is a way for you and I to have fellowship with God in the natural. We can have fellowship with God. And it is through seeing, hearing, and touching. That's how we're going to have fellowship with God. These three senses tells us that God himself came and incarnate in the flesh, in the body that you and I have. And his disciples saw Jesus, heard Jesus, and touched Jesus. Thomas came and put his hand in Jesus' womb. So we know that God was truly man and he was truly God. And therefore, it made him the mediator between us and God. Because in Jesus Christ was God, was man. And we can touch Jesus in the same way that we can touch God. If Jesus was both God and man, we can touch Jesus because he was man, and we touch God because Jesus was God. So he was the bridge between us and God, the holy God who we cannot see and who is eternal. How do we have communion with Jesus Christ? How can we have this fellowship with Christ? Jesus Christ is the word of God. Wherever the word is declared, he is present in that fellowship. Matthew 18, 20. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. You're sitting there, I'm standing here, and we are talking and I'm declaring about who Jesus is, what he has done, what your responsibility and my responsibilities are. He is here. Jesus is here. Some of you say, well, I can't see him. Yes, you can. You can see Jesus with your eyes. You can hear Jesus with your ears. You can touch Jesus with your hands. And you ask, how? Right here. Jesus is manifested in those people who are Christ, who belong to Jesus Christ, who believe in him. If the person who is sitting next to you believe in Jesus Christ, you can touch them. You can see them. You can hear them. You can hear me. I'm speaking the word of God. So we can hear, touch, and see Jesus Christ today. There are several ways in which we can actually touch the body of Jesus Christ. Baptism is one way for you to enter into that which is invisible, the Church of God. Communion is partaking in the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is real. Jesus says, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. And the Holy Spirit reveals the deep and secret things of God. The key to all of this mystery is the Holy Spirit working in us, allowing us to have fellowship, true fellowship with the divine. Communing with God. 1 John 5, 20. 
And we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true and we are in him that is true even in his Son, Jesus Christ. Knowing, understanding. The Christian belief is one that's based on our knowledge of Jesus Christ. Not our feeling of the presence of Jesus Christ, but the knowledge. We come to know Jesus by learning about him, not feeling him. That is the fundamental foundation. That is the foundational aspect of being a Christian. Is We've been taught and we come to know who Jesus is and has given us an understanding. Jesus Christ himself gave us understanding. We need to have our mind being put to use to know the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the first thing. So if your mind is working, if your mind is in the mode where we are learning about Jesus Christ, like what we are doing here, I'm not really big into feeling because I don't feel too good right now. My back's hurt. But if I live based on my feeling, then I would be sad. But fortunately, I don't live by my feeling. Unfortunately, a lot of us do live by our feelings. We feel hot and cold, and those things affect how we communicate and react and act toward other people. But we should, we should live by what we know. We should live by how we've been taught, not by what we feel. Because feeling, Christians have been endowed with an understanding by the Lord Jesus to learn the truth and have the right belief. And that's why we're here today. We want to know what is the right way to worship God. We acquire knowledge through our senses, such as seeing, touching, and hearing. You're listening to me right now. You're seeing the Word of God in your Bible. You're touching the Bible. You're touching people around you. You know that you just you don't exist by yourself, but there are people. There's a congregation called the church. To have fellowship with Christ, we must be in communion with the body of Jesus Christ. This is called the body of Christ. How do you touch Jesus Christ? By being in the church. The local church is how you have communion with the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is currently at the right hand of the Father, but His Spirit is here. Where two or three gathered, His word is being proclaimed, His name is being preached, then the Holy Spirit works within us. Church is here so that through these agency, the church and the Holy Spirit, we can have fellowship with the Father and with the Son. So only in the church and only through the Holy Spirit. So the local church is the visible manifestation of Christ's body. The, the church sometimes is referred to as the body of Jesus Christ. And the church is the visible, is the visible manifestation of this invisible church that you were baptized into. When we come to church, physically being in church, we have, we are touching Christ's body. We're hearing Christ's word and we are seeing Christ because we're seeing the church. And the church, the local church is in communion with other churches as well. This is a bigger subject. And how do we come into communion with other churches by the way in which we teach the gospel. If we have the same teaching, which was passed down to us by the apostle and through the church father, then we have communion with each other. Number one, hearing the word, Matthew three seventeen, And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The first thing we hear is God's own voice declaring that the Lord Jesus Christ is his son. This was a voice that was heard by John, Peter, and James on Mount Tabor. They heard the audible voice of God. They heard God's voice. They saw Jesus Christ transfigured, and they became the first witnesses 
And we can believe that witness because there are three of them. The Bible says you only require two witness for that witness to become secure. There are three of them on that mountain. And then Christ is the fourth. God declared his son to his disciples and God's statement was the sign and was the seal of God's declaration. And we can believe God's declaration. And when we believe in God's word, we have fellowship with him. They became witnesses to what they have seen and what they heard, the voice of God. And Jesus Christ is God's testimony of God's love toward us because he said, for God so loved the world that he gave us his only son. We asked, well, who is the son? And on Mount Tabor, he said, this is my beloved son. Jesus Christ is my son. And how do we know? Because there were witnesses there. They heard the voice of God and they saw the man Jesus and they say, this is the man. And now we read in John, 1 John, the person who was there, and he said, these things I've heard and seen and touched, I declare unto you. I believe John. Do you believe John? Do you believe the Bible? If you believe, then you have fellowship with God. Hearing the disciples heard. Now, when we hear, what is our responsibility? We have to become witnesses of the gospel because the gospel is what is good news. What did they hear? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. They listened to him. And what did he say? He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations. And what did they do? Those things which I have seen and heard declare unto you, that you may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 14 says, How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without preacher? Hearing the gospel is our responsibility. We need to hear the gospel from people who came before us, and we need to speak the gospel for people who come after us. That's our responsibility. And that's how we bring people into fellowship with God, go into, into fellowship with the church. Secondly, seeing the word, beholding God's glory. John chapter 1, verse 14, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The disciples saw Jesus Christ on Mount Tabor. They saw him transfigured. He was the man who was with them. And then, in an instant, he was completely transformed into this glorious image of what they shall be. Have you seen anyone transfigured? Do you believe that we will be transfigured like Jesus Christ? Are you excited about that prospect? I'm reading an account Peter was there and he wrote in 2 Peter, he said, we saw the Lord transfigured before our eyes. We, we saw him with our physical eyes. We saw him transfigured. More than 2,000 years ago, a man just like us saw Jesus Christ transformed on that mountain. I believe. I believe in what the apostles saw. Do you believe? I believe that one day the house will be transfigured. The apostles before me, they believe. The people before me believe. I believe. Because what? Because they saw it and they witnessed what they saw. And I believe their witness because they were faithful witnesses. I believe in the disciples. What they saw and their recount of what they saw was true. What does it mean for you and I? When you believe that, then you have to declare it. You have to tell people that I believe that. I believe that one day each of you who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ will be transfigured just like him. I believe that. Because why? Jesus says this. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You and I, we will shine too. Not in the same way when we are on earth like he was on Mount Tabor. One day we will be transformed like that. But today we can shine. And how can you shine? 
How can you shine like the Lord telling us to shine? Jesus is the light of life. He shined by doing what? By doing miracles. He shined by going from place to place and preach the gospel. And here's what he said in that verse. He said, that they may see your what? Good works. We shine by engaging in kingdom work, by engaging in the gospel work. If you believe, then you would do. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you would do the good works and the glory of the Father will shine through us. Why are we here? Why am I doing this? Why are you doing those things that you do for the church and for the kingdom of God? Because this is how we shine. This is how we manifest God's glory by engaging in good works. How do you handle the word? Offer Christ's body. Luke 24, verse 38 through 39. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands, my feet, that it is myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bone as ye see me have. Handle me, Jesus says, handle me. Jesus offered his body because we are all afraid. We live in fear, isolation, loneliness. And he appeared in his, with his disciples and said, why are you fear? I'm right here. My body is here. My flesh is here. You can touch me. When the disciples were terrified, Jesus came and he offered his body. Touch me. Handle me. Know that I'm here with you. You're not by yourself. You're not alone. When you come into this church, you know that people are here. You can talk to them. You can touch them. You can tell them what you need to pray for or what the things that are going on in your lives that other people can sympathize and pray for you. There's comfort when we offer ourselves. I encourage you to come to church. That's why I encourage you to be a part of the body because you being a part of the body comforts those people who are around you. Handle each other. Allow other people to touch you. Allow other people to have fellowship with you because that's what Jesus did. He offered himself, touch me. Talk to me, see me, handle me. He offered himself, and we ought to do the same. We, off, we not just offer our service, but offer ourselves. So we can't love at a distance only. We gotta offer ourselves, our body. And lastly, in Philippians chapter three, verse 10, this is what he said. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering be made conformable unto his death. This is what it means by having bodily fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Be conformed to his body, to his death. Okay. Lastly, sound doctrine. 2 Corinthians 4, 2. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Another way for us to handle Christ's word is actually handling Christ's word the word of Jesus Christ, the teaching of Jesus Christ. Now this passage talks to us about handling God's word deceitfully. How do you handle God's word deceitfully? It means that there are two ways. One, you are twisting God's word to fit your agenda. That's deceitful, that's lies. Or two, you don't really know and understand the word of God and yet you handle the word of God. It is our responsibility to learn this word and treat this word with honesty. If you don't know, find out. Study, don't make it up. Because we have full, we have a full tradition going back to, all the way back to ancient times. There's no reason for, for us to say, well, I don't understand. The internet is right there in your fingertips. The whole library 
is there. Books, uh, don't read all the new stuff, no, no good. Uh, go back to the, old, the ancient one, the ones that have been accepted part of the tradition of our doctrinal belief, because the new stuff, I'm telling you, new stuff is just wishy-washy, it's all feeling stuff, no good. Going back to the, the foundation where you actually learn something about Jesus Christ and not about yourself. Handling the Word of God correctly. And you know what? The Bible also talks about those people who study the Bible. The Bible have people studying the Bible. Daniel was one. Remember who he studied? Daniel, the prophet Daniel was studying Jeremiah. We have a whole history, not just in the time of Jesus, but before that, in the Old Testament, we have people studying the Bible. The prophet just hold up, read the Bible, interpreted it to the king, Josiah. We have a whole history of faith, or belief in the Lord Jesus, in this God, has been built on our understanding of the Word of God. We read about Jesus when he went into the synagogue and they handed him what? What book was that? They handed him the book of Isaiah, and he read from the book of Isaiah. Even Jesus Christ handled the Word of God. Our responsibility to handle this Word of God correctly, and we need to study the written Word of God, handle it correctly, and it will strengthen our knowledge. It will strengthen our fellowship so that when we come together, we can share in the fellowship of the body. Father, we thank you for the word that you have entrusted to us. We thank you for the faithful witnesses that have come before us. They labored tirelessly, and they gave their life to write down the interpretations and to write down the teaching and to, to be faithful and honest and credible witnesses in generation past, Lord. I pray that we will continue this tradition. We will continue to be faithful and to be honest and to be true and do our diligence learning of the sound doctrine so that generation that comes after us, they don't have this gap. They don't have this spans of time where people were unlearned. But help us, Lord, to come into the full fellowship of the body of Jesus Christ, into the full fellowship of God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ by learning, by handling, by seeing, by hearing, and by touching the Word of God and carefully examine our lives so that we, Lord, help us to live according to how you have taught us and to declare the Lord Jesus Christ faithfully and honestly. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.